Hello, I'm so pleased to be able to welcome you to our Bible study here on Search for Truth. I'm here with your Bible teacher, Brian Johnston. This week we have the final study in this 11-part series about our Christian identity. This time we conclude with what must be the ultimate focus of our identity as a Christian, how to be not of this world. The true expression of our commitment to Christ must be to behave as a citizen of heaven whilst here on earth. Later we'll be reading in the Gospel of John chapter 17 if you want to follow it in your own Bible. But for now, let's go to Brian. Thanks John. As I write this, the Me Too movement in the United States is giving a voice to millions of women around the world who were on the losing end of male abuse of power. Those women felt they'd been marginalised when it came to career advancement or in personal relationships. Groups of people or individuals are often defined by characteristics, beliefs, ethnicities or behaviours that somehow serve to identify them as winners and losers. A Gentile woman, alone with a daughter, would experience little sense of empowerment in first century society within the borders of Israel. As a Gentile and a woman, she'd be an ethnic alien, invisible to the society, a situation greatly amplified if she was without a man to represent her in the public realm. But in Mark's Gospel, we read of one such woman who, as some are doing today, stepped beyond the boundaries society prescribed for her. In her case, it was to seek out Jesus for the sake of her daughter whom she valued, and Jesus praises her publicly for it. This describes Jesus' encounter with an unnamed Syrophoenician woman. It took place when Jesus was passing through the predominantly Gentile region of Tyre and Sidon, when this unnamed Gentile woman approaches him to ask for healing for her demon-possessed daughter. As a Jewish male, Jesus is an outsider in this Gentile region, yet he speaks to her in the voice of a Jewish insider. It's not good to take the children's food and give it to the dogs, he says. In Matthew's account of this same story, her identity as an outsider is highlighted in even stronger terms. She's a Canaanite woman, a member of the people group Israel was commanded to expel from the land thousands of years earlier. The woman was undeterred and cleverly argued, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Both Matthew and Mark highlight Jesus' delight at her faithful response. In Mark, Jesus is impressed simply by what she has said. For this saying, you may go your way, the demon has left your daughter. This story of the Syrophoenician woman demonstrates that God's promise to Abram overflows to the outside. The God of the Bible readily identifies with outsiders from society. When Jesus prayed for his followers in John's Gospel, chapter 17, he described them as being not of the world. He flatly said he was not praying for the world, but for those whom he called his own. That's a basic identification issue for us. We are in the world, but not of it. That is, we are located here, but we don't identify with the world of unbelievers, since our citizenship is in heaven. It'll help us to avoid identifying with the world if we understand what the Lord was praying for. His prayer was for his followers to be kept true to his Father's name. 
as was made plain back in Exodus chapter 34 with the request of Moses when he asked to see God's glory, and in response the Lord proclaimed his name by declaring its connotation with his goodness, mercy, truth and faithfulness. In other words, Jesus was praying then that his disciples would be kept loyal to the character of the Father whose name he'd revealed. In Romans chapter 8, we learn that the Lord is still interceding for us above. I don't think we can be in any doubt that the present content of our Lord's praying was set out for us in John's Gospel chapter 17. I mean that this was not a one-off prayer, but sets the theme and the tone for the Lord's ongoing prayerful activity on our behalf. And that means that we should learn from it all the more. In prayer, our main concerns should be in full agreement with the Lord's main concerns for us. Let's hear them, beginning from verse 6 of John chapter 17, right through until verse 19. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them, and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost, except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. Following his prayer request that his followers be kept in the name of the Father, which he displayed to them, the Lord details five specifics which should therefore be of great interest to us. In each case, these were things he perfectly himself exemplified while revealing his Father's name and character in his own life on earth. First, in verse 11, he requests that we may be united, that they may be one, even as we are one, he asks. The Lord had lived before these men in perfect harmony with the will of his Father, in the perfect unity of the persons of the Godhead, Father, Son and Spirit. His prayer then, and his prayer now, is that the same quality of unity that exists between him and his Father should exist between all those who believe in him, resulting in them leading harmonious lives in a unity achieved by an uncompromising commitment to the plain text of Scripture. Second, he prayed that they'd be filled with joy in serving God as he'd been. 
he asked that they might have his joy fulfilled in themselves. It had been predicted in Psalm 40 that he'd delight to do God's will on earth, and he had always, even although his path of serving God led him to the cross. He'd displayed that characteristic as he'd shown them the Father. For them to be kept in his Father's name would involve their rejoicing to serve God by doing his will with great delight. Remember, this is still his prayer. Third, he who himself overcame the tempter and all of temptation's power requests that his followers likewise are kept from evil, from the evil one who tries to lead us into sin. Holiness is a basic attribute of God, and this aspect was shown in the life of the Lord, being one in whom there was no darkness at all. If then the Lord's ongoing prayer is answered, that we be kept in his Father's name, being kept loyal to it, then we too should be concerned about holy living. I recall a young Christian once asking an older Christian advice as to whether it be all right for her to go to a particular party. Wisely, instead of giving her a list of don'ts, he replied, so long as you remember your Christian identity. In other words, remember exactly who you are. Fourth, the Lord prayed that his followers be set apart by their devotion to the truth, adding that God's word is truth. Once more, Jesus himself had set the perfect example, upholding God's word in his oral teaching from its very first verse. He'd honoured all his father's laws, laws which humanity routinely break without so much as blinking. God is the God of truth, and our lives are to reflect that, another aspect of Jesus' continuing prayer for us. Fifth, and finally, Jesus is praying that we share the good news of God's salvation for sinners. Our Lord, of course, came to earth from heaven to seek and save that which was lost. He said, as the Father sent him into the world, even so he was sending them. The same sense of mission burning in his heart must also burn in ours. For that the Lord prayed then, and prays now, in his heavenly intercessory ministry as the glorified man at God's right hand. If we can live loyal to God's name and character in all five of these points, being united, joyful, holy, biblical and evangelical, then there'll be no crisis of identity in our case.
Thanks, Brian, for your talk today and for the series. Our book entitled A Crisis of Identity contains all the transcripts of the talks in this series and it's available on request and if you'd like a copy just write in. We'd also be pleased to hear any comments or questions you may have about this programme today or the series if you've been following week by week. Uh, I'll be giving you the contact details shortly. But the talk you've heard today is also available to download via the internet in audio or text format. But to obtain the book, simply ask for A Crisis of Identity and you can do this by using email or post and here's our address. Search for Truth, Hayes Press, The Barn, Flaxlands, Royal Wootton Bassett, Swindon, SN4 8DY UK. Our email address is sft at churchesofgod.info. And you may be interested to know that you can listen again to many of these broadcasts off-air by audio podcast or mp3 versions. If you go to www.searchfortruth.podbean.com, you can browse the list of previous talks, which you'll see has been categorised to assist you to find what you're looking for. So, many, many thanks for being with us today. It's been a privilege to have your company, and I do hope you've found benefit from the studies, especially if you've been following the whole series. Next time, Brian will be starting a brand new series of studies, so I hope you'll be able to join us. Until then, it's very best wishes from our Bible teacher, Brian, our studio technician, David, our singers, and me, John. So, cheerio, and may God richly bless you. Hi, John.